Welcome to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We are located at 3501 Cheviot Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45211. It is our mission to worship God and follow Jesus as we love and serve in His name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come see us sometime at 1030 on a Sunday morning or each Wednesday as we feed the community at 530 p.m. We hope the following message inspires you in some way. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to be today, and like Tyler said, that's on page 1719. But before we get into that, uh, one of of my hopes for today is uh, to do a quick recap of Acts 13 and 14. And here's the reason why. Some really important things happened in those chapters that lend uh, a lens or context to what's happening in Acts chapter 16. And so my hope today is that these ancient words uh, become very relevant words. And I want us to know that the Bible, although it, was, it's, it is an ancient book, it still speaks today. The Bible is still practical. It's not outdated just because it's old. And I want to look into that today as we heard a story of history, of old times, of a man who wrote a song because of an experience in life. And it's still impacting people today. I hope that these words that we hear today, although ancient, will become lights in each of our lives. Lord, uh, please illuminate these pages for us, Lord, that we can understand And we can see the beautiful rhythm and the intertwining story that you've written from the beginning to the end, this holy, inspired set of words for us to learn and study and wrestle with and understand and wonder about. Please open our eyes to the things you'd have us see today in in Acts. In Jesus' name, amen. I entitled the lesson today, For the Sake of the Gospel, because that's the phrase that I saw over and over and over coming out inside of this uh, Acts chapter 16 with the actions of God and the actions of people for the sake of the gospel. As we begin, let's just do a quick run through Acts chapters 13 and 14. Acts chapters 13 and 14 are, is, are the chapters inside of Acts that cover Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey, where they leave Antioch and they go out from there, and they are establishing churches all in that uh, area there. And they go through towns that Tyler read today, Iconium and Lystra and Derbe. And their, kind of their normal playbook was to find the synagogue in the town and start teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Jews that assembled weekly and daily in the synagogue. God empowered them to heal in Jesus' name. And that's something that's very clear throughout the Gospels that are written. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's story, the Gospels of Jesus Christ written by these men. It's also very evident in the book of Acts that when healing occurs, it's by the power of God, power given to men from God for the glory of God. It's never our works or our goodness 
or our holiness or our power. It's God's power. And that's happening in these stories today. God is confirming their message by allowing these miraculous healings to happen. And that obviously is getting the attention of the people so much so. Uh, sadly, if you'll look there with me, turn to Acts chapter 14 and verse 5. Sadly, we realize that unity is possible. Please understand what I'm saying here. Sadly, we realize that unity is possible. Listen to this wonderful story of unity between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so after this healing, uh, it says in verse uh, 3, so Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others uh, with the apostles. And then in in verse 5, this sad, sad unity. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and the Jews together with their leaders, to mistreat and stone them. Goodness sakes. Hard to get together for the gospel, but when we talk about stoning people, uh, we can somehow uh, rally around that one. It's a sad take uh, sometimes on our human existence, the things that we will connect over and the things that we won't. But as we follow the story, uh, we know that good unity is possible. Thank God. And that's, I just want to just re-mention this. It's one of our most important jobs as Christians is to unite together under Jesus Christ and give Him a good name because it actually makes it easier. Our unity actually makes it easier for people to believe that Jesus is who He says He is. So let's take that seriously here. I just thought that was super interesting. These nations were divided, but they can come together to harm a... I don't like that, but it's true. So uh, we carry on from there. Uh, and they ask, then in verse uh, 8 in, in chapter 14, they end up going to this town called Lystra. And you can see it in the center upper area there, the area of Galatia. That's modern-day Turkey. That's where, where that is uh, in our, on our modern map. But they come to this town uh, of Lystra, and they're preaching and they're teaching, and, and they're doing all of these things. They're pointing people to God. And uh, they healed this person who had been lame, and the city attributed uh, the powers of like Greek mythology. Uh, Paul became Zeus, and Barnabas became Hermes, and, the, and they wanted to give Paul and Barnabas this, these accolades. And so it says that the priests of Zeus and Hermes got together and they brought wreaths and bulls and they were wanting to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas and, and make them gods. Just talk about the, the depravity and how far away they were from the one true God. And, and Paul says, uh, we are bringing to you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heavens and earth and the sea and everything in it, and they, they wouldn't let him sacrifice to him. Unfortunately, then, uh, if you, if you uh, carry on here, is that then some of the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and they won the crowd over. Uh, they stoned Paul and dragged him outside of the city, thinking that he was dead. So this is what happened in Lystra. Not an awesome ministry journal day. 
uh, healed this guy in Jesus' name, stoned, dragged outside, tried to make me a Greek god, tried to sacrifice, I asked him not to, tried to kill me, whatever, one o'clock Zulu, whatever you write in the, the journal. It's not a good ministry journal day, but here we go. Um, we move on uh, through chapter 15 now in that we have this great council at Jerusalem where everyone uh, shares their peace. The one side is saying that the Gentiles must become Jewish in order to become Christian. They must be circumcised. Uh, the elders, the apostles, that everyone says, says their part. The brother of Jesus, James, came before everyone. He was the elder of the church in Jerusalem or one of the elders of the church in Jerusalem. He says we're not going to make it difficult on the, on the Greeks to come to Jesus, but we're going to ask him to do these things to help bond the unity. So that, that's where we are here. And at the end of chapter 15, we know that Paul and Barnabas uh, go their separate ways. We know that there is some reconciliation in the end, but they never do ministry together again. Barnabas takes John Mark. Paul takes Silas. Luke joins them, and we're going to find that out here today. And then what they want to do is they want to go and they want to share this good news that the Council of Jerusalem just came down with. So that's, that's what propelled this second missionary journey. And whew, that's where we are in Acts chapter 16. Important to know all of that stuff to understand what we're going to talk about this morning. What's up, Jason, man? Glad you're here. God bless you. Hey, Jada. That's so good, man. Nobody look. Don't embarrass them, but we're glad that you're here. Uh, and so in, in Acts chapter 16, we see here's the map of uh, Paul's second missionary journey again, uh, taking off from Antioch and heading on. And now let's read Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him, Timothy. This is the first point that absolutely jumped off the page. I want to look at what are we willing to do for the sake of the Gospel? Because you've been saved by grace, because the story of Jesus is not just a good, feel-good story, but you believe that it's real and true and historical and accurate, that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He did die for you as a sacrifice, and that God's power did raise Him from the dead, because you believe that's true, what are you willing to do for the sake of the Gospel? Because we weren't saved to simply come to church. We were saved to participate in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We were saved to be filled with God's Holy Spirit to do great things in Jesus' name. So what will we do for the sake of the Gospel? There are some iconic things that happen here that people, men and women, will do for the sake of the Gospel that are crazy. And here's the first one. Paul went back to Lystra. Well, big deal. He just visited a town again that he already been. They tried to kill him. They stoned him and they drug him out of the city because and they stopped stoning him because they thought they had stoned him enough and they killed him. 
That's the only reason they stopped. He goes back to a town where he was thought to be dead because the Jews and the Gentiles got together to kill him. So how good are you at forgiveness? How good are you at giving second chances? About seeing the good in people even when the people aren't so good. Listen, for the sake of the Gospel, Paul went back to Lystra. It's incredible. It's incredible. Not only that he wanted to go back, but that he did. If this isn't the Gospel story in a sentence, I don't know one. This is forgiveness and second chances and retribution and, and uh, reconciliation. And, and this is the power of God. As a sign of God's grace, as a sign of God's great mercy. Paul went back to Lystra. And this is about five years after he was there the first time. Approximately. We don't know for sure, but it was, it's about five years after. But we know that the good that Paul did there found some foundational things. And the church grew. In fact, when they went back to Lystra, they found a church where Timothy went, where Timothy's grandma went, Timothy's mom went. And Paul recognizes this goodness in Timothy. And this question came out to me, are, are you willing, for the sake of the Gospel, are you willing to do the hard work of trying again with people? It's easy to write people off. It's easy to speak ill of. It's easy to remember how they did this and they did that and... They, it's easy. This stuff, this forgiveness, this second chance, this trying again, this olive branch, that's the hard work of the Gospel. The first thing that jumped out to me in Acts chapter 16 is for the sake of the Gospel, Paul went back to Lystra. And God blessed that effort. We know that Timothy became a partner with Paul. Timothy became the elder and the pastor of the church in Ephesus that we'll learn about later. He goes on to write books. As a young man, he was mentored by Paul and became an old man of the faith, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second thing that jumped out to me, uh, well, sorry, this point at the end, and I think this is something just to be fair that we have to consider, and I would encourage us to be in conversation and prayer with each other and with the Holy Spirit here. Because there are just as many stories in the Bible where the apostles went to some place, they weren't having it, and so Jesus told them to just shake the dust off their feet. That was the phrase then, kind of the water off a duck's back. Just let it go, leave it there, move on. Don't get stuck when it ain't good. Just, you, it'll, it'll turn around type things. I think there are times that we just have to walk away. I, th I think there are. But I think there's also times that we're called back. That we're asked to forgive, 
to amend, to reconcile, to try again. And I think that those times can only be known through Holy, the Holy Spirit's discernment. And I, don't take this lightly. This, are, this is very, very serious stuff. The second thing I want to talk about today is let's read uh, Acts chapter 16, verses 3 through 5. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area, for they all knew his father was Greek. And as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decision reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. And so the church was strengthened, and their faith grew daily in numbers. Uh, didn't I just read James, uh, the elder at the church of Jerusalem, and Paul and Paul and Barnabas and Peter giving these impassioned speeches that we're not going to make it hard on the Greeks to become Christians. They don't have to be circumcised. Didn't I just read all of that? So how on earth with any form of uh, integrity did Paul encourage and require Timothy to be circumcised? And I realize this is all awkward. We don't talk about circumcision in, you know, 2023. We, we don't, it's not a big deal for us. It's not something that's mentioned, but let's, it's a huge deal here. It's a mark of the nation of God. It's set apart. It's a huge deal here. So the point that I wanted to, that I, I saw here, that Paul did not require Timothy to be circumcised for his salvation, but it's for ministry. And this is the point. Are you willing to do more and to give more than what's required for the sake of the gospel. That's what's happening here. This was for ease of ministry, so that no one could ever say anything bad about Timothy. So that he could go into any Jewish synagogue, in any Jewish city, and he could talk to any Jewish man. How did that conversation even happen? I don't know. I don't know. How did they find out that Timothy was circumcised? It's all weird to me. I don't know. It's all weird. But for the sake of the gospel, Timothy was willing to do more and give more than what was required. Any of you guys who have loved have felt this, that there's nothing that I won't do for, even more than what's required. It's the go the second mile story of Jesus. It's if they ask for your cloak, give them your tunic too story of Jesus. It's to do more. For the sake of the gospel, we can see here that Timothy was willing to do more than what was required of him, not for his salvation, but for ministry's sake. I wonder what your do more looks like because I guarantee it's beautiful. What ways have you gone above and beyond your normal duty as a Christian to give God a good name by doing extra, beyond what you were required to do. The second mile, the tunic too. It's something to consider, maybe pray about. Two more. For the sake of the gospel, Paul received a vision and obeyed immediately. So they were uh, 
wanting to go uh, up into the Asian province, which, which isn't Asia for us. It's still Turkey, uh, but it was called, it's called like Asia Minor uh, in that area. They wanted to go up into that area in the Spirit of God, and it says the, the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus. Uh, you can read that here. Uh, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of, of Phygia, uh, Phygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas during the night. Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once and left. For the sake of the gospel, not only did Paul, was he willing to receive the message from God, but he was willing to obey. And he didn't just obey, he obeyed immediately. And there's something to be said there. Is part of your story that you came to God willingly or you came to God kicking and screaming? Are you a person who's willing to forgive quickly or do you drag it out for a while? Are you a person who offers forgiveness, who says, I'm sorry quickly, or do you make them work for it a little bit? Are you somebody who wants a relationship to be corrected quickly, or are you just ready to just let it go? Paul received these instructions from God to go and do, and it wasn't what Paul wanted to go and do. I heard one preacher say, that's usually not how the Holy Spirit works with me. I'm begging God's Holy Spirit to go do this. I want to go preach the gospel here. It's usually the Holy Spirit begging me to preach the gospel, the preacher was saying. But Paul says, I want to go to Asia, I want to go to all these places, and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus said, no, 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 no. But he takes him to the right place. And even though it wasn't what Paul wanted, he obeyed immediately. And it's an echo back, it's a ripple back to Abraham when God says, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son. And it says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and went. Immediate obedience is a beautiful gift to God. God speaks to us. We learn to follow. We learn to discern. And this is maybe the most obvious statements of all obvious statements. But followers of Jesus follow Jesus. That's really actually revolutionary. Um, it seems like super, well, yeah, of course. But it's hard for us. And so here we see God telling Paul no to what you want, but I want you to do this. And he says, oh, I'm cool. If you're good, I'm good. And he obeys immediately, much like Abraham did. And I just want to say to all of us that obedience, just being obedient in the big things and the small things, is a big part of discipleship of Jesus Christ. We are called to obey because we're not the boss. God's the boss. Jesus is the boss. The Holy Spirit's the boss. We're not the boss. We listen. We obey. We follow. We're the children in the parent relationship there. We do what He says. And and we conform our ways to His ways because He's God and we're not. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus and obedience happens to be a really, really, really big part of that. So if God is asking us to do something, 
Doing it is the most important thing. Finally, for the sake of the gospel, we find this woman, Lydia, and her family praying. Uh, What's the big deal? Well, they're in a foreign town. They're not from here. This is the origin story for the church at Philippi, which we studied last year. I love Acts chapter 16 uh, for that reason. We find its roots of that church there. And so Lydia and her friends and her family, she ends up being a wealthy Asian woman who's in this prominent Greek town of Philippi doing business. She's selling her product. She's a salesperson, and she's wildly successful at it. But she wasn't just wildly successful at business. She was a worshiper of God, it says. The Bible gives her that attribute because that's who she was. So in a town where there was no synagogue, there weren't enough followers of Jesus to even have a church. She's faithful and is praying in the place that she's expected to. Not like, I expect you to do that, but it's what would be uh, assumed. So, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, so they, Paul says, he and his followers, and this is where Luke joins them, that's where we start getting the we statements in the book of Acts. We did this and we did that instead of he did it and they did this. So Luke joins them here. Uh, and so they, we went down to the river to a place where we'd expect to, to find people praying. So here we go. For the sake of the gospel, we find Lydia in a foreign town, a woman, and I don't, whatever, don't think I'm being chauvinist. That was a massive deal then. Uh, women didn't really have rights or status. And so here she was, wealthy, but without status. She was wealthy, but she was a foreigner. She was wealthy, but she didn't even belong to that community. In a town where there's not a synagogue because there's so few believers that the story and the followership of God and of Jesus Christ is so unpopular, it's easy, it would be very, very easy for her to say, you know, let's just stay home today. Let's just stay home. Let's let's not go to church today. And I want to tell you what Lydia is telling us. Go to church. I know I'm talking to people at church. But there's going to be a time where you're not going to feel like it. And I'm saying it's worth it. And even if you don't feel like it, it's worth it for all of us. I'm telling you, in, in our church, if just six of us aren't here, it, we feel it. And so encourage each other to come to church. Come to class. Come to church. Bring your joys. Bring your pain. Bring your spirit. Be here. Be present here. Let this church know you. Love this church. Be loved by this church. Be in community here because it makes a difference. Lydia went to church when she had no reason to go to church. For the sake of the gospel, she showed up. One really funny thing that jumped out to me on this was Paul had received this vision of this Macedonian man uh, go to Macedonia. Ends up the Macedonian man was an Asian woman, but who cares? Who cares? She was there and that was all good. And the church at Philippi, and she becomes the matriarch of the church at Philippi. She becomes the, the absolute cornerstone of that church. We have matriarchs at this church. We know the importance of matriarchs to a church. Marcia, you're a matriarch to this church. Your faithfulness 
your years of service, your dedication, your continued effort, your showing up, your being here, your loving us and teaching us, it matters. You're our Lydia. But these are all things that people did for the sake of the gospel that are shown in Acts chapter 16. But I want to stress this. It's easy to think it's just what am I doing for the sake of the gospel? What am I giving to God for the sake of the gospel? How am, how am I, my effort, making a difference for the sake of the gospel? But in Acts chapter 16, it's obvious that it's not just us. Is that for the sake of the gospel, God is doing important things too. And so really, our followership is a partnership with Him, and we need to see that. We need to be humble enough that I'm following a God that's greater than me, and it's a great joy and a privilege for me in my life to follow God. Doing good in His name is actually a privilege and an opportunity, not an obligation or a chance for me to show out and show how big of a deal I am. We see that as people were making sacrifices, Lydia and Timothy and Paul were making sacrifices for the sake of the gospel. God was doing things for the sake of the gospel too. He was guiding Paul. It says, it says that God opened Lydia's heart to be able to hear the gospel. And that's still true. I heard a pastor say, it's better to talk to God about men than to talk to men about God. I don't, there's a lot to that, but the point that this person was trying to make was God opens people's hearts. This, this pastor wasn't trying to say don't talk to people about Jesus. He was saying we need to talk to God about people because God's the one who saves. God's the one who opens the heart. God's the one who makes a home in their hearts. No matter how much good you do, how big of a deal you are, or I am, or whatever. He said God works. And so our obedience and our followership is really partnership. We also see in Acts chapter 16, this is the part of the story that we didn't read today, but if you just want to turn one page over, is that God has the power to save, that God has the power to free, and God has the power to rescue. And God is doing His work. God is still doing His work, rescuing and saving and freeing. And when we pray and we speak and we teach and we live and we love in Jesus' name, all of these things start happening in our lives. And this isn't a gospel of prosperity, it's a gospel of partnership with God. Because God can, and God does, and God is, and God will, for the sake of His gospel, for the sake of His Son, for the sake of the church, for the sake of the men and women that He loves, His creation, he will, and He does, and He is. I would encourage you guys, uh, write this down, make a note in your phone, mark it in your Bibles. Pray over Psalm chapter 18 this week. These stories that for the sake of the Gospel... God still works. God still acts. And that my followership and my obedience is a privilege, is sung in a song by David. After he's rescued 
from the murder attempts of King Saul. He sings the praises of God in Psalm 18, and he doesn't stop with just a verse. It's 50 verses. Of the glory and the power and the abilities of God. So in your life groups this week, for a devotional this week, at night, before you put your kids to bed tonight, or your grandkids to bed tonight, will you read Psalm 18 out loud and sing the praises of God? I'll read just a couple of the verses. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cord of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me in my distress. I called to the Lord. I cried to the Lord from His temple. He heard my voice. My cry came before Him in in His ears. Sing the praises of God for the sake of the Gospel. For the sake of the Gospel. The Gospel of Jesus Christ that saves our lives. That is freedom from sin. That is direction in this difficult world. That is total joy and peace for the present and the future. What will you do for the sake of the gospel? Our Father in heaven, please hear our cries that we need you. Please soften our hearts. If if we're in arrogance, please soften our hearts to want you and to need you. Please call us, Lord God, in ways that we can hear. Teach us these ancient words that are hard for us to understand sometimes and seem so antiquated and outdated and not up to modern uh, times. Lord, show us the eternal, everlasting wisdom of your Bible, Lord. Help us to be students of your word. It's so worth it to understand your Bible. And may following you be a sweet song in our ears and a sweet song in our mouth and a sweet song in our heart, and may we desire to be like you. May following you as followers of you be exactly what we want to do for your sake, for your glory, in your great name.